Welcome to the Avowed Podcast. I'm Jasmine Lilly. I'm going to keep this one real short, simple, and sweet because I had a crazy busy week. A lot of good things happened, a lot of crazy, wacky things happened, and luckily, I had an extra long conversation with last week's guest, Amber Marlowe, that yielded a pretty incredible mini episode, which I am bringing to you today. When Amber started out as a wedding photographer, she was married, and then she was divorced, and then she was dating, and now she is married again, and much of our conversation centers around how working in this industry and experiencing other people's love secondhand helped shape the way that she knew she wanted to be loved. Oh, and I didn't even ask you about your marriages and stuff. <laughs> because you mentioned that you are in your second marriage, yes? Yes. So tell me about how like the first one went down. And that happened while you were photographing weddings and you went through a divorce and then a dating and remarriage, all while owning this business in the wedding industry. That must have been wild. Yeah, it was a little weird. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, so I married this person because I wasn't who I needed to be. And, you know, that kind of goes back to the abuse that I suffered. And I ended up leaving home and I ended up leaving my grandmother's house after that and kind of being next to homeless. Um, And then I started dating this guy and I moved in with him and then we got married and I was like, yes, I am on the right track. This is like what life is supposed to be. And I didn't really stop to consider, okay, maybe this person isn't the right person for me, even though the signs were there before we got married. You know, we worked really hard on our marriage for a while and it got better. I changed my name about two years after we got married because I thought, okay, this is actually working. We didn't go up in a blaze of glory six months after the wedding. I think we're going to be okay. Um, We moved to New York City together for his job. You know, eventually it just came to light that he wasn't my person and I wasn't his person. So we got divorced and I was 30 at the time and I had just started this wedding business like while we were married and having a partner when you're starting a business is amazing because if it fails, you have someone else's income to keep feeding you, which is really nice. So, you know, I was on my own. I had to make it work. And people would ask me all the time, is it hard for you to go to weddings when you're going through a divorce? And my answer honestly was no, it gave me hope. Um, Honestly, my hope was very often in the form of, I hope they have a cute groomsman, and I (laughs) hope that's not too professional if I fuck him. (laughs) Um, I have never fucked a groomsman. I just want to go on record. (laughs) I did make out with the bridesmaid. I should not admit that. (laughs) I won't put it in, but that's amazing. (laughs) So 
whatever. <laughs> you can put it in. I don't care. <laughs> so I ended up dating like a whole bunch of people and I met this person who was not what I thought that I wanted, except like he kissed me at the end of our first date and it was like my heart started pounding in my ears and I struggled with dating him for a while because he's nerdy and he's not cool and I I don't know I mean I'm not the coolest person either but I am loved with a love I have never experienced before and I am with somebody who thinks that I walk on water and it's amazing and it's beautiful and it it helped me it healed a huge part of me to fall in love with Marley. It also opened my eyes to how I want to love for the rest of my life, which I had never had a clear picture of just because of my abusive background. And then my first marriage, which was always, it it wasn't like this where I could relax and really be myself. Um, So yeah, like I think being a wedding photographer while going through divorce and then dating and then falling in love um, made it sweeter because I could see what my light at the end of the tunnel looked like. And I also am very careful not to take on clients who are getting married for the wrong reasons. I, I and I could smell it, you know, I, I can tell like if you're, if you're in a first meeting with me and you lean over to your fiance and you go, Oh, He's so fucking stupid. Like, I'm not going to take you as a client. I don't necessarily need you to be lovey-dovey all over each other. I just need to see a level of respect that you have for each other. Very strict about meeting both halves of the couple before I agree to be there on their wedding day. And seeing my amazing couples, uh, the people who are attracted to my work and who who I want to work with, watching them interact with each other gave me so much hope seeing people that are truly in love and seeing the way that they respect and communicate with one another I think it's really empowering and and it's exciting to see especially if you didn't grow up with a healthy uh example of marriage or love I think it's really wonderful to see our contemporaries and people our own age figuring that out for themselves I think it really helps us figure out how to do that in our own lives Oh, yeah. I mean, it changed me fundamentally to see, to to kind of get a piece of that, that joy, as I'm there on their wedding day. I mean, and that's where the, um, the tradition of throwing the bouquet actually came from, is people would like sneak up on a bride and rip a piece of her dress off, like in the olden days. And that was like to steal a piece of her joy. And so the throwing of the bouquet was like, all right, here, have my flowers at least, leave my dress alone. (laughs) And I just summed up like a hundred years of wedding history in like one goofy sentence, but that's where it is. And that's what I always felt like I was doing. I felt like I was maybe sneaking a piece of people's joy. I would see like a really wonderful mother-daughter connection and I would steal a piece of that because maybe I can't be the daughter in a mother-daughter Um, connection but I can be the mother in a really amazing mother-daughter connection and I can kind of take a small piece of that so I was able to take small pieces of other people's joy and tuck them in my little 
sad, lonely nest. <laughs> um, I, I really think that it was instrumental in me being open to falling in love with somebody that initially I don't think I would have been attracted to. I think that's really beautiful. And also it reminds me of, um, again, historically, uh, photographs were supposed to like steal a piece of your soul, right? And so I think it's really fitting to think about how when you are photographing these really intimate, um, beautiful, life-changing celebratory moments that, you know, you may not be stealing a piece of their soul, but in that click and in that witnessing and in that capture, you are also capturing a piece of their joy and some hint at their luck and their success at, you know, making this crazy thing that we insist on doing make sense. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I do feel that way. I, um, every once in a while mutter to myself, gotcha. Cause I caught like this <laughs> teeny flash of a smile, you know, my camera operates on like one two hundredth of a second and I get like this tiny little corner of a smile. Um, and, and for me, that's really powerful. You know, it's these moments, come and go, but this moment stays forever because I said so, because I used my camera to make it stay with us forever. One of the things that I make sure I do is um, the getting ready portion of the day when the couple is getting ready, especially the bride, because there's all that beautiful finery. I will like, I'll let her, I won't like stage a moment where she's putting on her veil or whatever, but I will say, why don't you go stand by the window and have your mom put that on for you or have your best friend or your sister clasp that necklace for you. So just so the light's more beautiful, but then do whatever you want. And it's because that's such a small moment in a day where you're saying, I do, you might be changing your name, you're drinking champagne, you're hugging your cousins that you haven't seen in a million years. You're breaking it down on the dance floor. That moment of putting on your necklace is so small on that day. But 50 years from now, that, okay, like now I'm tearing up. That moment is going to be everything for, for you, for your mother, um, for your granddaughter, for your children. Like that small moment that you probably forgot is now such a precious photo especially if like it's it is your mom or your grandma and then she's no longer with you you know yeah so I I I, I do feel like a little bit of a soul stealer oh, I love <laughs> like a like a, a moment magpie oh, a moment magpie that's good <laughs> someone's gonna steal that and I'm already mad at them because that was good no you should use it take it now <laughs> trademark that shit I'm gonna hang up and and, and trademark it <laughs> That's really good. Yeah. Well, memory is such a funny thing. Those photographs, that that type of photograph that you're talking about, those stolen moments and those intimacies that are captured on film are always my favorite. Like everybody's getting photos of you walking down the aisle. I mean, everybody's got their cell phones out, whatever. But and, you know, there's like the there's the catalog of like, here are all the shots you want to get and here are all the things about your family and like, here's all of the bridesmaids and the groomsmen carrying you like a log. Like, right. <laughs> you know, like, we've seen it. We've seen all the tropes and um, there's always the big flashy moments and there's no question. Those are going to get captured. Like, that's not what you're paying for when you pay for a quality photographer. Yeah. You're paying for somebody who is intuitive and vigilant and entirely aware of their surroundings because those tiny little moments 
that's what a life is made of. That's what that's what the most important memories that we have are made of. And and memory is a really scary, tenuous thing. Yeah. It's fleeting and we have very few tools with which to capture it. And and we have ways of getting back to it. It's sort of like this eternally fascinating thing to me, which is that I took this class in university, a psychology course, and when we got to the memory piece, one of the things that they said was basically the more that you access a memory, the more you erode it and you begin to weave your new memories into it and your expectations or what you think should have been happening in that moment. And you ultimately, like the memories that we want to remember the most are the ones that we end up destroying in the end because we access them too frequently. So like leaving them alone is really the only thing that you can do to preserve them. But then also what joy do you get from never accessing that memory again? But that's why photographs are so important because I have memories that I guarantee are photographs. I have memories that in my mind, I'm like, oh yeah, I was four years old and I was wearing my mom's patent leather heels and my dad's journey t-shirt and I was banging on pots and pans. And then I'm like, wait a minute, that may have just been a photograph that I've seen. I don't know if I actually remember that. Right. I wonder how it's going to play out for people who right now are four years old. You know, they're so photographed. Um, Mm -hmm. and I, I will take this opportunity to say, please, everyone go print your photos, make photo books. They're not expensive. It just takes a little bit of effort and a few dollars and they will become valuable beyond words. Because I think that, (laughs) I think we take so many photos and forget to print them and they get lost in the ether. Um, it's so true. Please go print your photos. Actually, on that note, I have to, you're going to love this. I have this friend, Abby, whose um, grandparents were like these crazy bohemian weirdos, like super amazing, awesome folks. And she was telling me about all of their bizarre eccentricities and quirks. And one of the things that they would do is they had like this huge catalog of photo albums, but they would make the albums specifically like to delight themselves, like where they would tell weird stories or they would photograph themselves pretending to be newscasters at the age of like 75. And they would make these preposterous little like photo journals of adventures that they completely fabricated. That's amazing and beautiful. (laughs) I was like, that is genius. Like they sound like the coolest people ever. I would pay for a coffee table book of those. I know. She was telling me about it. I was like, where are these books? I got to see these books. That's what I want to be when I grow up. Yeah, absolutely. That's awesome. Yeah, but... I think you're right. We do need to we do need to print all of those things and I think that there can be it's it's funny. I I have this like weird aversion to photo books cuz they they feel so dated. I mean, yes, obviously printing your photos and framing them and all that sort of thing, but we put so much trust in technology and computers. Like <laughs> that shit could bite the dust and I've definitely had computers bite the dust before and lost so many photographs and I think that there's definitely ways to do the photo books and to have a lot of fun with it, like Abby's grandparents did, and like be really creative and um and create something that like you actually want to hold on to that's not like just to do it, you know? Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, get a shoebox. Like it 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 doesn't have to be a photo book. 
um, you, you, like I know exactly what you're saying. Like they they feel dated um, because they they are like a lot of them are very trendy. Um, I try to design my own personal ones very classic. Um, but yeah, like get a shoebox, throw throw paper photos in them. They're wonderful to go through. Yeah, I even kind of want to get like those old photo books that have like the plastic film that you like pull up and they are like tacky on the page. And oh, you... yeah. Like, can we bring those back? I, I wonder if they exist. <laughs> I feel like it would be ironic at this point, which I'm on board with. It'd be like kind of amazing to offer. Like, I don't know if I'm ever going to have children, but I feel like that's the kind of thing that I I loved looking through those like my grandmother's um, photo albums that were like that. And, um, I would hate to think that there's going to be an entire, well, I mean, so many generations moving forward that are not going to get to experience those, um, like tactile linen covered photo albums with the sticky pages. Yep. Yeah. I want one though. So <laughs> yeah, well, I'm a big thrifter. I guarantee I can find some. <laughs> okay, I'm going to go on a hunt and I will call you if I find one because, yeah, like I really want one right now. <laughs> yeah, right? And I feel like this could be like a whole new like side hustle is like finding those and then putting new covers on them and like making them look even more retro with cool old fabric and stuff. Oh, yeah, because like the 80s ones are terrible. Oh, my God, the worst. The 80s, I mean, I think we can agree that the 80s was... It was a it was a dark period in human history. Yes, I'm so into this idea. <laughs> Good. All right, let's do it. I'm so into it. All right. Well, I'm glad that I got to hear about your relationship. I think that that what you said about gleaning all of those pieces of joy from your couples, I I just think that's really poetic and beautiful yeah now now everyone knows my secret I'm secretly a wedding photographer just so I could just so I can like see other people and (laughs) 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 oh you're a joy thief I love it I am a moment magpie yep that was literally the best thing I've ever said I think it's all downhill from here (laughs) I think that that might need to be the name of our um, photo album revival business. Oh, there we go. Perfect. We've already named our company. Let's see. Yeah. Oh, but you really are like me. I start companies all the time in my head. Thank you again for listening. And please do me a favor. Share this podcast with your friends on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, or wherever you are getting your social media fix these days. When it comes to your friends, your word is better than mine. So I know they'll trust your recommendation when you tell them how totally badass the Avowed podcast is. Have a lovely week. Enjoy the seasonal change and please take care of yourself. <laughs>